All right, here we go. Another show. Ready? Yes, always ready. These are the ones, not that we don't enjoy everything that we talk about, but sure. it's always fun when we get something from the community that we can kind of uh, kick around a bit and have fun with. So that's what we're going to do yeah. today. This was not a post on the YouTube channel. I actually think this was a direct message somebody sent into BTWB. So it's from Brian G. He says, first of all, you two are creating awesome content. Thank you, sir. Yes, thank uh, you. Let's see. Keep it coming. We'll do our best. If you don't mind, I'd like to propose a topic for a future show. For some quick context, I'm a physical therapist. Now, there's, <laughs> there's an inside joke that I know Adrian just <laughs> made some friends in the physical therapist community <laughs> with our episode a couple of ones ago we had the Ooh. doctor on. So I'm a physical therapist, but more importantly, teach a strength and conditioning class at our local university. I'm paraphrasing a bit, but a student recently asked me, how much intentional hypertrophy work should CrossFitters at different levels perform? He's referring to sets of 5 to 30 repetitions with both compound and isolation lifts involving adequate rest intervals. I answered the question, but I'd love to hear your take on this, having spent so much time around affiliate members, but also world-class CrossFitters. So mm. this was one we kind of had on the shelf for a couple weeks, and we're getting to it right now. And when we chatted, we gave you a quick call yesterday when we were chatting about it, and you said this would be a good one to not to also dovetail with maybe just accessory work in general. Mm -hmm. So we're going to kind of yeah. touch on, on on both of these two worlds here. So when you initially hear Brian's question, what pops to mind? Well, the first thing that pops to mind in my brain is why. Why are you of the belief that you need to do accessory uh, hypertrophy work or what is it that you're hoping to get out of it? Um, because I think that's going to really dictate what your next course of action is. And to me, you know, I can think of a couple different reasons that categorically extend to kind of big buckets. Number one, you want to look a little bit different. I think that's something that uh, if anybody's truly honest with themselves, a, a part of why you're choosing to work out and be healthier, there has to be some sort of aesthetic uh, The aesthetic side of there. the house jumps yeah. to mind. And and that may not be the entirety of it, but, uh, you know, it should, hey, nobody's going to fault you for wanting to look a little bit better uh, filling out your shirt or with the mm -hmm. shirt off or whatever it might be. Um, now, I'd say if that's the primary motivation for why you're engaging in physical activity, well, then CrossFit might not be the best path for you. I think there might be other ways to achieve a physique faster that if that's all that matters to you, then then maybe that's the, the right path. As far as adding in some intentional work on the side, I would argue that if you're not, not interested in becoming a swole monster, you know, you're not looking at being the the rock out there, um, <clears throat> but you do want to have your physique improve a little bit, I would say that it's probably worth your time to spend a little bit more effort looking under the hood of your diet and mm -hmm. your general lifestyle habits than it would be to add an extra set here or there of whatever accessory work you're doing to try to grow some muscles. That Tight would be my approach there. Tightening up the diet sounds a lot less fun than some hammer curls. I'll tell Absolutely. you that. Absolutely. That's I'll well, that's that. the rub right there. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that right that, that's bucket one is, is let's be honest, like, why are you 
of the belief that you need to engage in this? Or why would you think that somebody else would need to engage in this? And if it's something to do with aesthetics, well, then, hey, there might be better energy served somewhere else. If it is for better performance, you believe that this is going to lead to better performance. Well, I don't think that some additional uh, kind of muscle building activity is going to have a dramatic effect on things outside of the core activities that you're already doing. So, for example, I want to get stronger at the squat. For most people, and I mean, you know, most of us are going to be in this kind of novice to high novice category indefinitely. Like, I'm never going to be an advanced lifter. It's just not something that I'm really truly interested in, uh, nor am I going to put the time in to, to get to that elite level. So, mm-hmm. f- for most of us that are in that kind of strata, um, I think time spent on the activity itself is going to have a much more profound effect than trying to do a bunch of other things and piece them towards that end. So the example being, if I want to squat heavier, adding some more sets of squats in is going to be better for me than believing I need to sit down and do some uh, hamstring curls and some leg extensions or whatever other movements might categorically end up as uh, intentional hypertrophy work or whatever. Yeah, I think you're I think you're on to something there with maybe one or two asterisks and caveats that maybe we'll touch on when we hit the accessory work because I don't know, I don't want really to get ahead because while I feel accessory work should always be considered 100% optional, completely you don't have to do any of it your entire time on this planet if you're doing well-structured programming, you'll be fine for life. Uh, but I do think there are some interesting cases of, you know, maybe an athlete has been doing that and now they're a veteran lifter and they've plateaued in a certain area and they're going to explore sure. something. Sure. I think there's I think there's something there that we might um, be able to say has some value. But if we're going with, in general, the most, most, most that we see all the time, most people, most circumstances, you know, most of the time, which is, I'm going to assume since this individual is a strength and conditioning uh, coach at the local university that whoever is this student that came up and asked this question does fall under the most, most, most sort of a category. And so that being said, yes, uh, I feel time spent doing the actual thing that you want to get good at, such as the squat is going to serve you better. There's something that, you know, Greg used to say all the time, such as that, you know, you can, and I, I'm living proof of this, and so are all my friends that before CrossFit, we did clash, classic bodybuilding, which is, you know, hypertrophy training, really, you know, largely yeah. sets of eight to 12 repetitions, resting a minute or two between each, you know, uh, things that are generally geared towards bodybuilding and aesthetic. I mean, that was a huge, that was basically my entire pre-CrossFit training period end of story. I'm very familiar yeah. with it. Read all the books by you know, Lou Ferrigno and Arnold Schwarzenegger and Joe Weider. I mean, you name it, lived it, lived it. And had a horrific squat when I started CrossFit (laughs) and had really no capacity to deadlift to speak of in any way, shape or form, although I'd spent how much time on Mm -hmm. the leg press, the leg extension, the leg curl. I mean, you name it, just dissecting the muscle groups that should be involved with the actual squat and training them individually in a hypertrophy sort of fashion, then years down the road, get introduced to a functional movement barbell on my back. And I mean, maybe it's not fair to say that none of that translated, but I'm here to tell you for as many hours and years that I spent doing those things, it was woefully 
inadequate when I hopped onto the old full body movement. And I would have probably been served so much better if for the previous 10 years, instead of heading down to the gym and doing that classic bodybuilding style, somebody had just taught me the squat and taught me the deadlift and taught me the power clean and taught me all of those things. That would have been fantastic. So like you're saying, yes, I think you're better served. And I don't think you can deconstruct those movements, largely speaking, and then hope to magically reconstruct them and have them make the actual compound movement better. But I also have to say that in in Brian's question, you know, maybe this is just how the university student phrased it to them, but their definition of what hypertrophy training is, is really so huge and broad mm. that it, it's like this bucket that encompasses everything. I mean, most people don't yeah. assume five to 30 repetitions. You know, you're usually going to hear people throw out eight to 12, maybe a little higher, maybe a little lower, but that's a good general five to 30 is that's usually not associated with that. And then it's going to be more single joint isolation sort of movements, but they're doing both isolation and compound lifts. I mean, see, this person's talking about a huge rep range and hmm. both isolation and compound lifts. So if we talk about what most people would think of <clears throat> when you said hypertrophy training, bodybuilding style, you know, training, as I just said, you know, three to four sets of different lifts, eight to 12 reps, resting minute between each. And generally speaking, you know, you're looking to increase the size of your muscles and there is an aesthetic value there. And, you know, there's also a want versus need. I do not believe with all of my heart and all of my experience and all of my everything that if you want to get better across it, I do not think most people need to do that. Yeah, As I, I say agree. every now and then in the show, if you want to do it, you've got the time, your body can tolerate it, your schedule can allow it, it puts a smile on your face, it keeps you walking into the gym more frequently because you love to hit some curls and some bench, whatever it happens to be, awesome. You're not gonna get any flack from me in any way, mm. shape or form, um, but just realize it may not have as big of a payoff to some of the more functional movements and the compound lifts and your overall fitness as potentially, you know, those old books that I used to read back in my pre-crossfit days would lead me to believe. That's all I would say. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And particularly kind of the no harm, no foul approach. You know, I, I kind of came out a little hot in the beginning there. But <laughs> That's all right. to, te to temper that a little bit, uh, you know, I don't think there's any harm in it other than the fact that each of us only has 24 hours within the day and sure, so much energy yeah. to pursue things. Um, you know, you just have to start asking yourself, how much of the pie slice is this particular endeavor starting to occupy? And, um, you know, for my money, I think what you said was right on there as far as, you know, the average person that just wants to get real world fitness out of their program and does CrossFit to develop that. You know, you could go your whole CrossFit career, quote unquote, without ever doing any sort of accessory or uh you know, swole sesh kind of workouts, and you would continue to move the needle forward for a very, very long time. Um, but yeah, if it does motivate you, it's fun. It, it adds a little bit of spice back into the uh, to the mix. Great, nothing wrong with keeping yourself in the game in that in that regard. Just from time to time, ask yourself how much of this pie slice is it occupying, and how much does it need to in order to uh, maximize what I really want out of this. And, and that's, I think, where people kind of, obviously they'll change over time, you know, you, you, what's important to you, your goals, that sort of thing. It will change from time to time and it will ebb and flow as will your motivation. 
Um, but I think there's an honesty factor in there that you have to come back and say, all right, what is really serving what my stated intent is versus what is something I'm doing because eh, I don't really want to push that hard on Fran <laughs> and I would rather come right. in and, uh, you know, grab the barbell and do some, uh, some standing curls or whatever. What do you say? I've heard maybe this same question just phrased differently, which is, hey, look, I'm on the smaller side. Who's kidding yeah. who? Mass moves mass. Uh, sure. I've got these bird legs. I'm not going to have a great squat with bird legs. You know, think Joe Alexander. And so now we have to. <laughs> and so now. That was a you know, low blow. <laughs> so now, you know, I want to in, uh, you know, increase the size of the muscles on my leg because sure. that's going to then, you know, change my body in a way which should be more advantageous to me developing a bigger squat. And the thought being that that's not going to get done with me just squatting on these heavy days that maybe I need to add in some of this hypertrophy to grow what I've currently got and then I can get it strong. I think it's cart before the horse type thinking for the most part. And I'll go back to the point that I made in the beginning, which is if you want to get bigger, smaller, leaner, uh, you know, whatever, the decisions that you're making around your training time, mostly via diet, are going to have a much larger influence on that than, um, you know, some of the training decisions that you make in the gym. So if I had somebody who was, quote, undersized and they wanted to gain some weight, and they wanted to get a little bit stronger. I'm like, yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with adding a little bit more volume via the big compounds that they're already doing and, and supplementing some strength training maybe. But the real question is, what are you doing to support that? What are you eating? And, you know, I'm, I'm a person who's never been enormous. I probably never will be. It's taken a lot of time and effort to, to even, uh, you know, maintain the muscle mass that I do have. Um, I think most people in that don't understand how much you do need to focus on the diet in order to drive that forward if you're somebody who's already naturally lean has a high metabolism etc mm -hmm. i just had something in my head that oh, that went away you know well, and, so well, uh, let me let me finish that and it, uh, i guess what i would say is that the stimulus also if you look at it from uh you know, what is going to um, send a very strong signal to the body that it's time to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. You know, the 30-pound dumbbells that you're going to be using um, for some of these isolation lifts or the couple of hundred pounds that you're going to be hanging on to, um, you know, it's, there's a much more dramatic response from one versus the other. And I think there's what, what I want to say, is I think there's some good overlap that <clears throat> people should appreci appreciate, which is, Classic hypertrophy work in that 8 to 12 rep range, generally that's a moderate loading, you know, resting a minute or so between sets. That's, you know, not the same as what somebody would define as just strength training. You know, that you're just trying right. to get strong with much lower rep ranges and much higher loading. Now, if you're looking to also increase the size of your muscles, well, here's the deal. It doesn't just happen with hypertrophy training. If you are doing major lifts such as squat, dead, press, clean on the lower, you know, ones, twos, threes, fives, sets of seven, you know, the heavy tens and all of that. And you're getting stronger, the those lifts and that rep range with the systemic hit they have to your body are going to cause the same thing to some degree that you want to get from the hypertrophy, which is 
growth of the muscles due to strain, aka some damage being done, and then recovery. Strain, some damage being done, and then recovery. But you're going to be doing the lifts that would, you'll just get so much out of at the same time that, again, want versus need, do what you want. But I would encourage somebody, stick to those wonderful compound lifts. You know, you, you do them in your heavy days. You do them in your mixed modality metabolic conditioning days as well. You're going to cover your bases wonderfully. And I think you're going to get the fruit that you're looking for without having to spend so much time on what would be classically defined in that, you know, Schwarzenegger Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding uh, kind of a book as well. And, and like you said, to some degree, as sad as it is, there is also like a bit of a genetic component to some degree of how swollen big you're being being going to be able to get your muscles not all of us have dan bailey's genetics to just become this house of an individual um i'm here to tell you and i think most people can relate to this you said you have to you know you got to work your tail off to maintain the weight that you're at right now i spent so many years of my life in that classic gym setting doing everything i could get my hands on to give me these huge football-sized calves that would be the envy <laughs> of all my friends. I mean, a decade of my life, just hypertrophy, everything you could. I look like I was born without calves. I just have skin wrapped around my shin bone and there's nothing else there. For whatever reason, it ain't, I don't, the work doesn't matter the work that I put in. It, it ain't there. My lats, I just look at them and they get bigger. Like, it's just one of those, it's just one of those things. So to some degree, you know, there's going to be a, your genetic predisposition as well is going to come into play in this. So again, I would focus on the lifts that are going to drive your work capacity across broad time mode domains forward, those major compound lifts. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. So, you know, to dovetail back to the original question, if the question is how much additional work is necessary in this kind of dedicated looking to grow muscle type of type of lens, I would say that really you don't need to. I think that's something that is a consideration way further down the track, if at all. Mm-hmm. You know, if I interesting, it. you know, and a lot of times, if you are doing the bodybuilding stuff, you're looking to get a little bit bigger, that usually means the scale is going to go up a little bit as well. If you're looking to actually, you know, increase the size of the, the mass that you're walking around with. Another funny story of just pre-CrossFit days versus CrossFit days, bodybuilding training versus functional movements. So I did all the, you know, all the machines, all the single joint, all the stuff that we said forever and ever and ever and ever. And then I think I said this in a previous episode to throw myself under the bus. First time I ever tried a <laughs> one rep max deadlift was in uh, Castro's garage. It's 2005. I weighed 185 pounds and I was like right around 275 or failed at 275. Like that was it. Now, you know, fast forward. 16 years later, I'm certainly not a professional power lifter, but my deadlift's gone from 275 to about 450, and my body weight has gone from 185 to 183. So I'm two pounds lighter to gain all of that strength because I actually started doing the functional movements. And I just, again, I wish I had got on that train so much sooner. So just kind of take that for what it's worth. Yeah, absolutely. That was going to be my question is, you know, when you're going back in time 20 years and you're talking about young Pat doing all these things in the gym that were just kind of standard bodybuilding style training, 
I mean, how dramatically different is your physique now versus what it was then? Because uh, I, I have a somewhat similar experience. I didn't spend as much Not time very. doing that. And that's my conclusion <laughs> too is, yeah, is, you know, when I was young, 16, 17, and, you know, you go to the gym to do some uh, chest press, we used to call it, and <laughs> and some delt raises and stuff, you know, the difference between um, what I looked at at the, like at the peak of that versus, you know, my, my physique now, um, you know, honestly, I don't think there's a, a, a ton that is different. Um, it certainly there was not a dramatic change to the positive from where I was when I was much younger than to today. Mm -hmm. Okay. And here, this might be a bit of a, well, well, hold on. Let's, I, I feel like we've kind of started focusing on this discussion about aesthetics, but what about better performance? And I'm going to cue you up a little bit here. What do you think, Pat, as far as I have trouble with, let's say, the snatch? And I believe it's because there's a certain part of my body that is weak, and therefore I need to do a bunch of accessory work to perform better. What do you think about that conclusion? I think if we're talking to um, Chad Vaughn, it's a maybe because he's been doing it for so long and he's <laughs> at the pinnacle of the pyramid. I think if we're talking to 99% of the people enjoying this podcast, it's a, you should keep doing the workouts that you're doing every day and practice the actual snatch. Not necessarily, you know, hey, I might enjoy doing some socks press. You know, we can get into that later, but it's most likely going to be uh, practicing and improving your technique, you know, improving the neurological components that make that lift better. That will probably serve most people um, far better than than something else, in my humble opinion. Mm. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree. I think that the more time you spend doing the thing, for most of us, most of us meaning, you know, again, the kind of beginner through the high novice category, um, you know, those of us that are generalists by, by definition and mm -hmm. by intent, uh, I think that doing the thing more is going to be the most economical use of time. You know, what, uh, there was something you touched on it a second ago. It was, you know, hypertrophy. You have focusing on the diet being so huge. And then what did you say? You said something which got my mind going, which was, um, oh, I can't remember what it was. But, but, if, but, you know, usually these questions are related to, I, you know, get my muscles bigger so I can get stronger. I mean, mm. that's usually where it's going. It's not get my muscles bigger so I can get weaker. That's usually not where the <laughs> conversation goes. And sure. this, this could also be wrapped into the topic that we just keep bringing up so frequently, which is there's also the potential that you are doing too much each day mm. instead of yeah. doing something, doing one thing and pouring your heart and soul into it. Like, you're just really going to do a five by five back squat. And that's all you're going to put on your plate today. And you're not going to add anything else to the end of it. You're going to sell your soul on that. And then you're actually going to allow yourself to recover and then, you know, mm. do the next thing instead of just adding part A, B, C, and D in each day. And then what you're actually doing is just showing up to the gym a little bit tired each day, surviving the workout because you're just so beat down from what the seven parts that you did the day before, and then wondering why this thing isn't moving the needle forward. And then you search the next thing to add to your training block. 
And I think that can be a vicious circle that just kind of keep, keep people keep spinning around. And so I would I would keep that just do a, just do an honest self analysis as crazy as it is. The way forward might be through doing less and doing it with more intensity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something to piggyback on top of that, if we're talking about, and maybe this is reading between the lines a little bit too much, but we're in a university setting. Somebody's asking about like dedicated bodybuilding style training. Um, to me, again, reading between the lines, I would, I would speculate this person probably isn't that old, hasn't been training that long by extension. And there is this kind of pervasive belief that things will happen just so rapidly that if they're not happening rapidly, there needs to be something else that I need to do to accelerate the process. And, and I think that can be, um, honestly, just a lack of experience talking sometimes about the realistic time frame mm. with which progress happens. You know, And just because something hasn't happened week two doesn't mean it's not happening. It just means that you have to respect the time it takes to let that process unfold a little bit more. Um, so that would be something else I would I would push back on is like, okay, like, what are we talking about here? We're we talking about somebody who is new to CrossFit, and they're just on the beginnings of their training path. And we haven't really seen what the result is going to be yet, just by extension of them not engaging with it long enough. Mm -hmm. Do we really need to start adding more variables? Probably not. We probably need to see how this one plays out first, before we make any assessment. And we need a good six months, eight months, a year. Um, you know, to really make some solid observations there. Maybe, maybe that's a little bit too long for some things, but you know, you should obviously be seeing progression along the way there. Um, but it takes a while to build strength. It takes a while to build significant muscle. These are not things that happen overnight in a vacuum. You know, uh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so we, I think, I think we're ready to move on to the next thing, but what, yeah, what give it cracks to me. me up is that based, based on what you just said right there of how it takes time to do things. One of the things that always just cracks me up is it is everyone will generally nod in agreement of like, yep, it takes time to get strong. We're talking years, you gotta put in, you know, gotta put in the time and effort. It's ain't gonna happen overnight. But I feel like there's an incredible disrespect and people just think in a in a month or two you can develop a world-class engine. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. well, then, then why aren't we all running 530 miles? And yeah. You just snap your fingers and six weeks later you're yeah. just Anyway, sorry, that was a... Well, and I mean, you could say, I think you could say the same thing for skill development. You know, people oh, look sure. at uh, some of these these movements like a muscle up or being able to walk on your hands and they're so prevalent these days. You know, there's so many people can do them now that I think it's easy to forget that that's going to take a while if you've not been exposed to that skill ever from for going from that state to, okay, I'm competent just kicking up and walking on my hands. Like that's not an overnight thing mm -hmm. for the vast majority of people. That's going to take a while and that's okay. That's part of it. I think that we, I think we gave Brian a good answer. I hope that, hope that serves him well. Yeah, I hope so too. Again, you know, it just want versus need. That's probably a good, <laughs> a good, a good, a good yeah. way to summarize it real short. Want versus need. Yeah. So, and, just be, and just being honest, I think you said, you know, reflecting honestly about what is the intent behind your training. If you can figure that out, it's going to answer a lot of questions with a lot more clarity for yourself. All right. So now moving on to your friend and mine, accessory work or, or okay. additional, additional pieces. There, You had another term for it. We spoke on the phone yesterday. I you said auxiliary. Accessory. Auxiliary. Auxiliary yeah. work. Okay. Yeah. Great. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. So... 
accessory work, I've got definitely some thoughts and opinions on it. I'm happy to go first. You can launch in. You let me know. No, I figured I'd uh, let you go first on okay. this. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, we've already kind of covered it. But, um, yeah, so I'm curious to, to hear what else you've, uh, you've got strong feelings about with this one. You know, and, and maybe it is a little bit repetitive because one of the first things I wrote down with accessory work, I wrote next to it, why? Yeah. And in my mind, if you're doing anything, if you are, I always have to frame the conversation, right? If you are a CrossFitter concerned with, then it's like, why are you concerned with CrossFit, right? Do you want to do well at the local comps? You need to get good at a little more volume. Are you just uh, a working mom or dad looking to have a high quality of life, stay at the nursing home for as long as possible, be able to shovel your driveway in the winter? Like that's, that's generally, at least in my mind, who I speak to. I don't speak to the competitive CrossFitter speak to the regular person looking to have a high quality life. They don't want their knees, back and shoulders to hurt or ache from mm -hmm. what they're doing. They actually want to feel better and be more capable. And long-term health and fitness is the goal. And that could be, and that's everything from regular individual to, I would also include first responder, police, firefighter, military. Yep. You're all in that camp as far as I'm concerned. So now the question comes up, accessory, you know, do I need to do it? Well, then it's the why. And in my mind, it should be if you are choosing to do anything to increase your function, your capacity to do functional movements, you know, work capacity across broad time modal domains. With that being said, people love accessory work and I actually program it for my affiliate. But I'll tell you this, I drug my feet for the longest <laughs> time and, and, and I eventually mm. started programming it a couple of years ago, kicking and screaming the entire way. And um, and every single solitary week before the new week starts, I say the same thing when I put out a video. This is completely optional. You never, ever have to do this a single minute of your life to be wonderfully fit and happy. Period. End of story. Now, with that being said, if you are somebody that for whatever personal reason you feel that you want a little bit more, you're craving a little bit more, and you feel that it would benefit your goals, well, we can give you some things that are intentionally and intelligently laid out based upon where we've been and where we're going so that you're not doing nonsense. But these will be ideally to improve your capacity to functional movements, not necessarily increase the size of your biceps, yep. right? So that's the primary yep. focus right there. And uh, Again, you don't need it. It it can be beneficial for you know for a novice athlete and even probably most intermediate people. Just doing the workout of the day, you're still in that developmental phase that you're getting everything mm. that you need right there. But now, if we start talking about somebody who's been around five, seven, nine years and they're pretty darn good, capable, well-rounded athlete that's been doing things for quite some time, and maybe your squat has stalled, your, something has stalled. Well, great. Hey, you know what? Maybe there are some things that you can play with outside of the scope of the regular workout of the day. If for whatever odd reason, getting that one more kilo on your back squat, you've decided that's going to be just, you're on it. That's really, really, really important to you. Hey, fair enough. Okay. That one more kilo on your back squat might not have any noticeable gain on your work capacity when we're talking about the broad scope of your fitness in any way, shape, or form, but you're chasing this one goal, okay. Maybe we can, you know, some things that maybe we don't see regularly in the programming, such as 
a glued ham raise might serve you really well. Or maybe we identify it's a, a bit of a midline deal and the L sits a wonderful exercise that you don't see in most workouts of the day. So you're going to spend some time really hitting your midline in some different ways that you don't normally do. I can see that stuff. Great. Fantastic. But I think it just has to be tempered with why are we doing this? What are the athlete's expectations? What are we realistically expecting to get out of it? And then you approach it with eyes wide open. That's what I mm -hmm. would say there. Yep. And, and again, I, you know, the one thing I would add to that is how big of the pie slice is it occupying or how big mm -hmm. a pie slice is it occupying of the whole, um, you know, cause everything I just heard you say would suggest that even when you are at the point that you're saying, okay, maybe this is appropriate for this athlete. It is not a predominant aspect of their training. This is not no. something that, that uh -uh. occupies even a, even close to the majority of their time. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that's where people end up um, almost out of some sort of, it's weird. It's like you reach a certain point and people believe that there's like a duty to spend more time doing it uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> as mm -hmm. opposed to just saying, Hey, you know what? It's great. The train is on the tracks. I don't need more. I, I can continue doing what I'm doing. Um, it almost seems like there's this, uh, the very kind of natural human need to continue adding to the pile until eventually it becomes untenable and then you have to figure out what stays and what goes. But yep. anyway. Yep, for sure. And, and again, there's to each their own individual needs. And if you are that person that is ready for it, has hit a certain plateau, and there's some, again, some fun stuff that is beneficial, you know, static holds and things like that sure. that you won't regularly see in a program workout, but are unquestionably wonderful movements and and will drive your, you know, central nervous system <laughs> will be on yeah. fire trying some of these static holds and there's benefit there, but but the goal is to make you better at well, your with your work capacity. Not like I said, when I look in front of the mirror, check out my you know pectorals whatever it happens to be which is great but it's not at least that's not why i don't program accessory work for aesthetic purposes i put it that mm -hmm. way yeah it's interesting that that kind of opened up my mind to like well what are we when we say accessory work i mean does technique work is that accessory work i would uh, you know i like, will i will put as sometimes as accessory work which, which maybe some people will think as you know bent over rows or something which certainly or you know bulgarian mm. split squats things that you will see in there but i'll also put in accessory work 10 minutes with the Bergner warm-up right. or yeah. 10 minutes uh, work on your handstand walking. That's just practice. Yeah. Well, maybe, 100%. So then, maybe I have to uh, amend some of the things I said. And if we're talking about the framework of accessory work being, you know, spend some more time with things that are not in the main course of your workout, I can completely get behind that. If it's accessory work in the sense that, okay, let's take, for example, a deadlift day, we just did a five by five deadlift and comma. Now the expectation is that I also have to do a bunch of, um, you know, back extensions and good sure, mornings sure. and walking lunges and that sort of thing. I'm like, mm, I don't know that the utility is as useful anymore uh, or if yep. there's as much utility there. Well, so I, I think the link was to how, at least in my mind, if we're going to do something extra, so to speak, yeah. It's the stuff that I just mentioned with the goal of where I want it to go, meaning to actually drive your capacity to function movements, not yep. potentially, again, reading maybe between the lines of Brian's original question, which might be, 
I'm going to do some extra accessory work that's more aesthetic based, bodybuilding based, and it may yep. not drive the needle with my work capacity. That's where I would say, mm, if you want to do that on your own, more power to you, but I'm not going to program that. And if I am going to program yep. something that potentially would help your biceps look great when you go to the beach, it's going to be, um, you know, three sets of supinated strict pull-ups. That's going to mm. get some bicep work right there, but it's not going to be a concentration curl. Do you know? Sure. So that's that's yeah, kind yeah. of um, that's kind of in my mind that that's how that kind of all um, rolls around in there. So that's just just yeah. my that's my two cents on accessory work. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, last thing I'd like to kind of brush on here is just the opposite end of that, which is people that are responsible as coaches or uh, you know they're designing programs, things like that. I think the approach that you're talking about is the most beneficial, meaning that you do not put a lot of primacy on that accessory work. That is something that's like, it's almost entirely optional. 100%. I think a lot of people get to the point where they believe that the success of their program is largely determined by the types of bells and whistles that they place around the main course of what somebody's doing for the day. And that to me is well, a I'll slippery slope. I'll tell you slope. why, Boz. I'll tell you why, because it's a slippery slope. people love it. And, and sure. it can be it yeah. can be a shiny fishing lure distraction that your actual workout of the day ain't enough. So you just lure people yeah. in with all this other nonsense that we're doing. The nonsense well, shouldn't that. be the main course. The main <laughs> course should should keep most people yeah. really satisfied the overwhelming exactly. majority of the time. That's you know my two cents on that. And yes. uh, here's the other thing which I drug my my feet for so long to even add an accessory work. Um, and then I'm still just, I bang the drum all the time about how it's, it's completely optional. And I truly mean that is uh, there is a, in my opinion, anyway, in, in my experience, a large number of people, this was one of my fears that feel this compulsion to do everything that's written down for yes. the day. Even if, you, yep. even if you shout from a mountaintop that it's optional, yep. if it's written on the day, they're going to feel like they didn't get in a full sesh mm -hmm. unless they do it. Even if they're tired, even if whatever, even if they should just stretch and go home. Yep. Uh, I know he said it's optional, but yeah, I should probably do it. No, you shouldn't. No, you should yeah. not. You should just go home. You know, so that that was the other thing that just... um was a uh, it made me nervous that's all yeah i've observed that quite a bit where you have you know for example a program that has you know the outline class for the day and then it's got some little bonus work at the end of it or like a or, or you know god forbid like a competitor's kind of thing at the end which gets really tricky because now you're starting to label that like well if you really want to get good here's what you have to be doing um and i've seen that uh you know time and time again where one of two things happens. Like you said, people that don't really need the extra work, uh, they are just beating themselves up and they'd be better served to go home, rest and recover and come and be able to put forth a good effort on the next day rather than just grind themselves out. Or you have this mentality start to develop of like, I don't see the workout as this one hour thing anymore. I view it as this 90 minute thing, this hour 45 mm -hmm. minute thing. And the effort that I put forward in that core workout is not significant. What is significant is that I make it all the way to the end of every single rep. Survive. And yes. And so it's okay for me 
to come in and put in a seven minute Fran when I know I could have done it in four because I have another 45 minutes of work waiting for me on the tail end. And that's what's really going to drive the needle forward. I think that mentality is super insidious and you got to watch that one. I had a conversation with somebody the other day and um, I'm sorry, I mean, I, I read, I read their uh, post that they wrote and they had lived a lot of their CrossFit life in what you just said. And it's so tied into what we talked about today. By the time this show posts, there should have been a show that already posted about will one workout a day make you strong? And mm -hmm. we're always beating the drum of like CrossFit minimalist, less is more, respect the heavy yep. days, don't overdo it. Intensity drives results. If you're doing too much, you're not going to be able to do that. It's all circular. And this individual's post summed it up so well. He'd spent several years in that sort of a part A, B, C, and D training every day was a rushed 15 yep. minutes to find some sort of a heavy lift followed by whatever it was, that after a while, he said, I wasn't going to the class with the mentality to crush it. I was going to the class and I, I just had to survive the day. And so I mm -hmm. would do everything moderately because there was no way to do it any other way because tomorrow mm -hmm. was just another session like this and then another session. And you would just be exhausted or break. And so again, the more is better. It's an insidious thing. So please don't mm -hmm. feel the need to add the accessory. Don't feel the need to add one more thing. For a lot of people, a great night's sleep, a really clean diet and doing their best, you know, intensity is a relative thing based on how they feel that day to smash the workout that day in the most intelligent fashion for them, you're going to be great you're going to be 100% great. So that's, that's my soapbox right there. I'll, I'll die on that hill. <laughs> and I'm with you. <laughs> I agree. I think <laughs> largely it's, uh, it's not necessary, although it can be fun at times. And, and here's the other thing, and I hope this is so profoundly obvious to the audience at home, but maybe not. Maybe that, you know, I'm sure people feel like they know us because they hear us every week and that's great. That makes me happy. But, you know, you know, they'll, truly know us. And so maybe you think I'm saying this stuff every week because I don't know, I have some hidden agenda to like stick to the core cross it methodology because I'm going to, I don't know, like, I don't know why, or, you know, Adrian's got to make sure mm. he keeps everybody at work happy. Like, like I can, <laughs> I can understand how people would think that, but please know whatever we say each week is because based upon with these wonderful careers that we've been fortunate enough to have and all the people that we've talked to and the countries that we've been to and the dinners that we've had with all kinds of athletes from every walk of life, hearing what they did pre-CrossFit, post-CrossFit has led us to the conclusion that it's just actually the truth. As shocking as it is, yeah. that most people don't need to do more. And trust me, I'm not a fan of lazy people. So if I thought most people needed a kick in the backside and told to do more, I would tell you to do more. <laughs> But truth be told, you just need to go do the one thing and do it really well. Do it really yeah. well. And I think it will serve you better than anything else. So that's okay. I'm done now. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's, uh, it's all about trying to maximize the effort that you can within the confines of that thing for the day. That's, uh, that's, that's the most important way to focus your energy as far as I'm concerned and, and as far as what I've seen. You know, when we first brought this up, I thought this was going to be a quick show. We just, we just nah. chatting today. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's usually the case. A couple of old windbags. Yeah, oh, geez. man, I, I, I got to be honest, too. I feel like it took me a while to find my feet. I just 
I feel like my uh, level of articulation is not at an all-time high at the beginning oh, of the I mean, episode. Don't, but... don't you remember we did that show again about the importance of brevity? Yeah, there you go. I got to <laughs> take my own medicine. <laughs> so, so hopefully, Brian, hopefully you hear this. Hopefully it serves you well. Hopefully people out there in the CrossFit world, the strength and conditioning world in general with regards to the workout of the day, accessory work, hypertrophy, hopefully you benefit from that. But look, here's the deal. Boz and I are wrong all the time. We can just tell you to the best of our ability what we really think is true. So find this episode on the BTWB YouTube channel. Have you, has your life experience or working out experience aligned with what we said? Are you wildly way off? Either way is cool, but we want to hear what it is so we can all get better from it. So post your thoughts and feelings in the comments. We certainly read those things. We appreciate them. Helps drive content. You know, for example, we did Brian's question today. And as I've been saying for the last handful of shows, if you want to help support the show, awesome. We got a, we got a way for you. We've got all these different cycles and programs that we've uh, helped create from first pull-up to barbell capacity programs, handstand walk, you name it. And those can be found at programs.btwb.com slash VNR. And you don't have to remember that. If you go to YouTube, that link is in the show notes. And we also have a couple really cool on-ramp programs. We've got a body weight on-ramp, a dumbbell on-ramp. So if you yourself or somebody you know is looking to get into this wonderful working out world and they need kind of a self-guided course to figure things out, those on-ramp programs would probably serve them very well. So check them out. We're pretty proud of them. So that's it. As always, for Adrian Bosman, I'm Pat Sherwood, and we will see you next time.